Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello everyone, welcome to your final episode of the National Treasures podcast about the Forest of Dean Sculpture Trail. Not your final episode ever, there'll be another one next week and every week forever. Uh, this week is the fourth of our episodes about, as I mentioned, the Forest of Dean Sculpture Trail. So in the first week, Laura and I went to visit the trail itself. In the second week, we had a little chat with Nick Page, who sent us there in his lovely little house. And last week, I told you all about crisp flavours. And now I, Will Duggan, and you... Laura Lex. That's right, that's correct, well done. The questions, the questions will get harder. <laughs> um, are going on, as voted by you, our final episode about lost things. So Laura's going to take me on a little dive. How are you, Laura? Um, I'm not, I'm a bit under the weather, William, to tell the truth. Um, I've got an absolutely grotty cold. Yuck. Um, it's been a while since I had anything cold-like. I'd forgotten about them, you know? You just we, forget well, that there's other diseases, don't you? It was because of, I think, during the height of the COVID scare, the COVID fear, we were all being so much more hygienic. Yeah. Like, everyone was anti-backing and washing their hand loads and wearing masks everywhere. So everywhere, everyone just a bit, bit less germ spready, whereas now standards have slipped. Well, I've been back in a mask all weekend because I had a cold and I thought, well, it's not COVID, but obviously I don't want anyone to have this cold either. So I've been masked up. It's been very retro. I'd forgotten how annoying it was to not have your phone recognise your face. Do you know, I got a new phone recently and what, you know, get face ID. It's like, do you want to take one of you with a mask as well so we can do mask oh, identification? Like, I said, I haven't got one on me. So I'm a bad boy. He's a bad boy. Um, listen, Will, we're going to jump straight into the episode without much chit-chat today because this turned out very fun to research. Oh, um, yeah. Well, there was a lot of stuff, you know. Loads of stuff's got lost over the years. A lot of stuff's missing. Yeah. yeah. So um, what we're going to do is we, we've got a fun little thing to begin with and then, and then we're going to go into just a few of the lost things that I've picked out. Um... And, and see how we get on. So the first thing that I came across in the famous lost things. Have you heard, Will, of the Bureau of Found Objects? No. Neither had I. And then in my various Google search terms to try and find not just the top things that turn up when you Google famous lost things. Sure. I stumbled across this. So it's in Paris. Um, just south of Paris, and uh, there it is a five thousand square foot basement, 
and it's called the Bureau of Found Objects and it's basically the biggest lost and found in Europe. Okay, right. Uh, and it has been running for about 200 years. God, imagine someone up and being able to claim something. Oh, I'm very sorry. During the revolution, we left our <laughs> guillotine here. Like, right? Oh, yeah. There it is, Monsieur Gautier. Like, you can lose something on the tube and ring them 10 minutes later and they go, sorry, that's gone forever now. You will never be reunited with your possession. So I stumbled across this because I was looking for the weirdest lost and found things, which we're going to move on to in a minute. But this, this place, the Bureau of Found Objects, kind of intrigued me. So it says in this article that, that one of the defining rights of a citizen of the French Republic is the right to the ownership of property. So before the French Revolution, when something had been um, lost and then found again, it officially belonged to the lord whose land it had been found on. Ah, yes, the rule of les finders keepers. Oui, le ancient world. So um, they referred to it as epave, um, which means flotsam, which is quite fun. So it also, um, it meant like if a shipwreck happened and then it washed up onto a beach that you owned, hey, buddy, you own the contents of that ship now. That's fun. Wow. But then obviously they had the revolution and they went, how about we don't, have lords and this kind of bullshit and they changed it all so in 1789 they abolished feudalism with the french revolution and uh the declaration of the rights of man and of the citizen states that property is an inviolable and sacred right it is a man's property that makes him a man and not a subject a machine an animal that makes him a citizen before the law so okay. now if you lose something, it's it's got to wait for you to be reunited with it. And so they have this fabulous bureau of lost things where stuff is is taken and like you can go and find your wallet that you lost somewhere and all sorts of that. But it's also it's full of some real fascinating stuff. So on the website, I'm having looking at the article howstuffworks.com, uh, one thing that's in the Bureau of Found Objects is a human skull. Right, sure. Now, does uh, that go to the person who owned the skull or to the person whose skull it is? Well, they reckon it's come out the catacombs. You know, there's all okay. those catacombs yeah, underneath yeah, yeah. Paris, which one day when we have a million patron subscribers, we'll, um, we'll go and visit abroad places um hang on laura just i i for one i always love a little plug of the patron and we do need more patrons to afford to go to paris but if every patron gives a five or a month and we have a million you don't need five million quid a month to go to paris no but we could do all sorts of cool bean stuff couldn't we we could buy we could we, we could buy uh twitter um i don't think i want it to be honest it looks like okay. a lot of hassle I just think if I was a billionaire, I wouldn't want to have to be tweeting about code. No, if I was a billionaire, you'd never see me again. Ah, are you serious? You, the royal you, you'd oh, see okay. me. Yeah, good. I'd come round for one last kiss. <laughs> <laughs> so when we've got two hundred million patrons, that's the back of Will Duggan then. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's a there's a skull in there. There's a wedding dress with matching shoes. Um, this It's a really good article, this. There's also, in the Bureau of Found Objects, some pieces of the World Trade Centre. Oh, God. A red pouch holding three concrete pieces that was discovered in an abandoned suitcase in Paris shortly after the attacks in September the 11th. 
Right. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Grim, isn't it? Um, yeah. This is not great. Um, my, one of my favourite things, this is not in the Bureau of Lost Things, I don't think. This is, um, where was this? Somewhere else. Oh, airlines. So if you lose something on an aeroplane, they will try and find the owners or pay out claims, it says, um, or and then they send it to the unclaimed baggage centre. Here's a weird thing that was discovered. Um, 50 vacuum-packed frogs in someone's luggage. Dead, I assume, yeah? Well, you'd think, wouldn't you, if they're vacuum-packed? I imagine that, like... Did you ever have those... Um, the pouches to vacuum pack like spare duvets or clothes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, can... yeah. So I, I imagine it like that. But a frog, I don't know how much resistance a frog would give. So it'd just be a load of green sort of mush. Yeah, I think they'd pack into each other. They'd tessellate pretty well. <clears throat> do you think Do you think that one of, one of the most famous tessellating shapes is frog? Um... No, I don't think that's a tessellating shape, but I think when some when when you've got a biological thing like that and you're vacuum packing it, it just tessellates very easily. Maybe tessellate isn't the right word, but they mush. Maybe I think mush, mush is the right word. Is better yeah. than tessellate. Very rarely are the words tessellate and mush <laughs> uh, sort of mixed up in a conversation, but mm. I like it. I like it too. So there you go. That was just a funny little detour that I went on at the beginning. Of, well, actually to the end, but I thought we'd put it here at the beginning. Whoops. End Showed of the you research, behind the curtain. The episode. Very quickly there's there. Work, there's work goes into this, sure. But we're going to do some famous lost things now, or lost okay. famous things. First one, Shergar. The Classic. racehorse. Uh, I won't lie to you, Laura. If we'd done this entire episode and you hadn't mentioned Shergar... I'd have been raging. Well, I happen to have listened to, and sorry to put another podcast on blast while, um, is on blast a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. No, I'm too old. Like, like, I think if it's a, you know, um, a microwave meal, good, because you have to have something to to eat. If it's, um, uh, a bus full of people, bad. (laughs) Yeah, well, listen, uh, this is either a shout out or I'm putting them on blast, depending on which one's a good one. And they arguably don't need it because it's a BBC podcast. But BBC's Strangest Crimes, right, has, it's got lots of series all about different crimes that have happened in sport. But one of them is the disappearance of Shergar, but presented by Vanilla Ice. And... (laughs) No. <laughs> right? And it's so weird because I've listened to a lot of them and there's one about cricket and Greg James hosts it and I think he's I've, a massive I've cricket fan. I've listened to that one. Yep. There's one about Notts County football that's hosted by Alice Levine because she's Notts County fan. And then there's this one about Shergar. And so it's all these like 90s Irish men and then Vanilla Ice hosting it. And it's fabulous. Um <laughs> Why does he host it? Well, the only thing I can think is that he collaborated on a song that has a sting in it that goes, ride the horse, ride the horse, ride the horse now, giddy up, put a saddle on this donkey. And they play that ad nauseum throughout the podcast. Okay, I was going to say, I'm very surprised that you know more than one... um, Song by Vanilla Ice. Well, no, I had to Google it because I was like, why is this sting coming up so much? And why does Vanilla Ice host this podcast? So I Googled it and I was like, maybe they got in touch with him to say, can we use your song for this podcast? And he said, under the stipulation that I host it. And then they didn't have any choice, you know? Well, I have just Googled it, Laura. <laughs> yeah. Um, Vanilla horse, Ice. Ride the horse, ride the horse now. Va- Giddy up, Vanilla put a saddle Ice. on this donkey. Vanilla Ice is a massive horse racing fan. Is he? 
He absolutely loves it. And also, I think he's taken, according to like my very quick Googling here, um, he wants uh, he wants Steven Spielberg to make a film about Shergar. Oh, has there not Vanilla been a... Ice in the Irish Times on the 12th of June 2021 said, The disappearance of Irish racehorse Shergar is the most amazing story ever. Yeah. Ride a horse, ride a horse, ride a horse, baby. Put a saddle on a donkey. Giddy up. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so do check out that podcast. It's a lot of fun. And the whole series is very good too. There's just a new series starting right now um, about something that I've completely forgotten, even though I listened to the first episode yesterday. God, what was it about? Can't remember, but I've I enjoyed start- it. I've started listening to some horror podcasts. Oh, William. The new Jordan Peele's company, Monkey Paw, have done one called Quiet Part Loud. Terrifying, but great. Mm. And I listened to a little, um, uh, like, audio film, they called it, hour and 20 minutes long, and it was Adam Scott and Kate Mara, and it was called Ghostwriter, and it was great. Well, there you go. There's some podcasts you can listen to if this one is not floating your boat anymore. Get gone, fool! Now, Shergar disappeared in 1983. Um, it was, he basically finished being a racehorse, but was one of the best racehorses in the world, like by a, by a good mile, like not just all scraped wins, but would win, you know, and the other horses were still just sitting about going, oh, we're starting. Um, now, and then he was a stud horse, right? So they were going to have him to stud that summer. And then he got nicked, like right at the beginning of the stud season. Um, and then it was all a bit of a mess, and there were phone calls claiming. Was it a bit of a mare? <laughs> oh, a mare? he's good. He's bloody good. Um, there, there were a few phone calls. There was all sorts of like complicated ransom issues. Like they wanted three of the most high-profile journalists to come over to Ireland and deal with it and stuff. But basically, his body was never found. And what they think happened was they nicked like a thoroughbred stallion who was horny as fuck just as he was about to get his end away ad nauseum. And and apparently, I don't think, like, high-profile horses... Not high-profile, because they didn't know they're high-profile, but what was it called? Like, high-testosterone horses like that. They don't really like change, and you've got to really know how to look after them. So they think what probably happened is these people nicked him, and then he was just an absolute nightmare, because he's a horse, and so they had to kill him. Um... Just very quickly, uh, I'm sure this is the voice of the listener coming through, through me, your co-host, Will Duggan. Mm-hmm. Um, have you learned the phrase ad nauseum today? Oh, have I used it ad nauseum? Twice. Oh. We've been recording for about 13 minutes. No, do you know what it is? I'm so full of cold and I've been travelling so much this weekend that my brain is just, it's full of cotton wool. So, you know, when normally you go to reach for a word and your brain goes, would you like option A, B, C or D? And then you use the best one because you're a comic and that's what you do. At the moment, my brain is just puttering and going, nope. <laughs> we Wait, no. Option A for you is ad nauseum, right? For me, it would be on repeat or not even that, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe I'm just fancy. Okay, so that's Shergar. So he's missing um, and yeah, lost the millions. Now, your next famous lost thing uh, is the Princess Anastasia. Ah, yes, from the Romanovs. Yes. Um, And basically, I chose this one because I love the film, Anastasia, and I was like, why did people think she was missing? What was the deal there? So I thought, what an opportunity to find out once and for all. 
Okay, tell me everything. So, um, obviously, the Romanov family, they were captured by the Bolsheviks. They were gathered up, um, and then they were told that they were going to freedom, and then they were murdered at is it Ekaterinburg, I think. Um, and they were all shot in this room, and then the bodies mm. were buried. Uh, then they were dug up again. I think it was in the 90s or 80s. And yeah. they pulled out a lot of the remains, but I think the Bolsheviks had like messed up with the bodies with acid and stuff like that. So one body basically wasn't accounted for. Yeah. Um, which was said to be Anastasia. And then the world went wild with people going, oh, I'm Anastasia. Hello, it's me. What? No, it's me. Not you. You're Meg Ryan. No, I'm not. I'm Anastasia. Oh, do you know, if I was Meg Ryan, I probably wouldn't claim to anyone else. She did, though. Wow. Good yeah. to know. So there was this woman called Anna Anderson. She convinced lots of people that she was Anastasia, but then they DNA tested her and she wasn't. Um, she was from Berkshire. Was she? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, let's say she was. Whereabouts in Berkshire? Stains. Oh, is that where Berkshire is? Surely well, Stains, Stains is in is, Surrey, yeah. isn't it? Uh, no, Stains is in Berkshire. Berkshire's one of those weird counties. I don't really get it. Is Reading Berkshire. in Berkshire? Uh, yeah, but um, Egham, I think, um, I think sort of, um, I think Windsor might be in Berkshire. Oh, it's all that like west of London bit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Slough. Yeah. Eton. Eton, Windsor, Riverside. Um, so, and then in 2007, they dug up some more skeletons and these ones were about the age of Alexei and Anastasia. Alexei was the only son of the Romanov couple um okay. they alexandrina and nicholas i think yeah it's uh, nicholas yeah yeah um so they did dna on those and they were like yep these are definitely romanovs and it looks like they were all killed on the same day but there's just you can't have definitive proof basically because of the state and the age of the skeletons sure. um, so they're like this is definitely another one but we don't know whether it's maria or anastasia because they were very similar ages so that's why she was a, a lost thing on there was like mystery as to whether she'd escaped. That's cool. But she more than likely didn't, no? No, I don't think there's any chance she did. Um, also, even if she did, she's probably dead now because it happened 106 years ago. It happened a thousand years ago. No, uh, just to... Just, just on a, Before on a, do, the do, invention I, of the wheel. I do want to double down on... Two things now. Ride the One, horse, ride the horse, ride his pony. <laughs> the wheel was invented a lot more than a thousand years ago. Two thousand years ago. It, more than that, 1916 was... If you don't listen to years Russian and years, you revolution. won't really get this bit of banter that Will and I are doing here. Laura has a thing for non-patrons where she loves to pretend, and it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. Like I used to have... Um, an ex-girlfriend who I used to claim was a big, like, If you fan used of to some... have an ex-girlfriend, that in indicates that she's your girlfriend again now. No, I have an ex-girlfriend. I can't remember who the uh, poet is, but I used to pretend that she had a massive crush on, like, William Wordsworth. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I was like, you know, like, oh, who's your favourite celebrity that you fancy other than William Wordsworth? Something like that. I can't remember who it was, though. But, um... Laura has a thing where she likes to pretend that she thinks the wheel was invented sort of like, you know, 
in living memory almost. Ah, BC, like 50 BC. Um, Not 50 BC! <laughs> it's because it gets you so mad, you can't just leave it. Doesn't Becca have a thing where you haven't seen a film? No, I haven't seen the film. Uh, what is it? It's the um, Heath Ledger one. That's oh, 10 Things based... I Hate About You. Yeah, I've never seen it, right? Yeah, that's what she but pretends, Be- but of course you've seen it and no, everybody has. No, I haven't seen it. I have never seen 10 Things I Hate About You, but Becca just does not believe it. She doesn't believe it at all. And now we're like, I say to her things like, I say to her, no, do you know I've not seen 10 Things I, I Hate About You? And she's like, I hate you, I hate you, but I haven't seen it. It's mad. I can't believe you haven't rectified that. It's such a good film. It's not going to be a chore to watch it, Will. You're going to have a lovely time. Okay, well, maybe I will watch it at some point. But right now, I am not going to watch 10 Things I Hate About You. Also, I'm not that interested in seeing 10 Things I Hate About You, you know? You watch so much shit, though. You've got so much time to watch 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, I'm watching Breaking Bad for the first time, you know? Oh, well done. Right, your next famous lost thing is... Will's memory of the film 10 Things I Hate About You. And we're going to rectify it by doing a live watch-along here on the podcast. Okay, and then then that's edited out. That was fun. I really enjoyed that. (laughs) Yay! Right. Here's a fame... Well, listen, it's a famous lost thing, but it's a lost thing I hadn't heard of because I wanted to do ones that I was like, whoa, that's a mystery. Um, So I hope that this is okay. And I've taken the information for this from history.co.uk. Will, have you ever heard of The Amber Room? No. No, I'd never heard of it either. But get your noggin round this, right? So the Amber Room began in the 1701 when this German... The 1701? Yeah, yeah. The, the, not, not the lesser known one. The original one. Okay. I'm not talking one minute past five, Will. I'm talking the year 1701. Okay, great. And there's this German sculptor, Andreas Schlüter. Schluter, I think, uh, and he started working on it. <clears throat> now, he was the chief architect of the Prussian royal court. And basically, around this time, unlike the wheel, which had already been in use for several hundred years, amber was this brand new material for interior decoration. Okay. Now, obviously, amber's existed since the bug times, but using it for interior architecture was brand new. Um, oh, yeah. And they <laughs> just watching Will's blood pressure rise. It was really fun. Um, it was called the Gold of the North. The and, Gold of the North. Yeah, the Baltic region had loads of it. They were shitting amber. So um, he starts making it in 1701. I think he dies and the person that he was making it for dies, I think... And then some more people take over. And then eventually they finish this room and install it in the Berlin City Palace. And then in 1716, Peter the Great, the Russian Tsar, visits here and falls in love with this room, right? And there are some sort of photo recreations of it. (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. And it is fabulous. Like, it's so gaudy. It's incredible. So he absolutely falls in love with it. And then as a gift of allyship, Frederick William I gives it to Peter as a present. Okay. Um, so the as room. You, the whole room, yeah. Right? Okay, great. Isn't this mad? Like, imagine if you just popped round to my house and went, oh, I love your dining room. And I was like, oh, mate, have it. 
Yeah, have it. Go for it. Go wild. <laughs> Take it. You're my buddy. So they deconstruct it, pack it all up and take it to St. Petersburg, which Peter has just invented. And the amber room gets put up there. Um, Then in 1755, the Empress Elizabeth, who is Peter the Great's daughter, she moves it to the Catherine Palace uh, just outside of St. Petersburg. And then uh, I think that's where it then stayed. Yes. So... Can I interrupt you? Yes. When you say the room, like what? The walls? I think just... so. I think we're talking like incredible panels for the walls. Got you. So like Okay. Um I'll see if I can Google it and show it to you. So and we'll I'll put Google this it, on don't you worry, the, buddy? We'll put this on the Instagram, obviously, so you can have a look. Um yeah, we're talking wall panels, lighting, probably the flooring was, you, they were able to, doors, um, uh, like your fixtures and your fittings, your coving and all that, all got moved. Okay, fine, got you. I get it. Have you found a little image uh, of it? Yeah, and it also seems that the walls were absolutely adorned in trinkets as well. Yeah, so, like... so it's all amber and gold. Okay, got you. Please continue, because I wasn't sure if you meant, like, you just sent him all the furniture, but, like, the room layout, like, the blueprint, like an Ikea room. Yeah, yeah. Um, So when it was completed and in its final sitting place, 1770, it was just over 590 square feet. It was adorned with over six tonnes of amber... Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was full of art. Um, it was just completely crazy. Uh, I think it says they've estimated that in modern day worth, it would be somewhere between 120 and 240 million pounds. And this Whoa. was a couple of years ago. I imagine this was written. So let's say, what's that? Billions For a room. Oh. Yeah. For a room. Crazy. So it was this big Russian treasure, and then it it survived the, the 1917 revolution. Um, and then we come to the First World War. So yeah. we are in 1941, and Hitler and the German forces... Second World War. Second World War, sorry, yes. Um, <coughs> so... First World War, invention of the wheel, Second World War, 1941, Hitler's forces and, and the German forces, they are on their way to St. Petersburg, which is now called Leningrad, but now again it's St. Petersburg, I believe. Um, so Operation Barbarossa is what they're up to. And they are... Ba, 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 Barbarossa. Barbarossa. Um, Take he- my room. They're heading for St. Petersburg. And the, it, this guy, Anatoly Kuchumov... Um, was kind of given the job of making sure that the Amber Room didn't get taken by the Germans because Hitler was already very interested in it. So they were like, it's worth as much as everything else we own put together. Can you please keep it safe? Will, how do you think he kept it safe? He, If you um, had a room and it was £240 million covered in amber, precious things, what are you doing to keep it safe? I'd go on the outside of the room, the mm. door going into it, I'd get a bit of MDF, mm-hmm. and then I'd wallpaper over it, creating a false Ooh. wall. Well, that is pretty much what he did. 
Yeah, legend. <laughs> he he was very worried about moving the wall, in fairness to him, because obviously it's quite old by this point. So he was worried that it would fall apart if they moved it again. So he said, let's just wallpaper over it and hope that they never realise what's under the wallpaper. Yeah, genius. We'll just put a tablecloth on it. I do that all the time. Like, Christmas is coming up. I've got Becca's presents. What I've done is I've left them in the middle of the living room, <laughs> put a tea towel on it, and I've gone, that's it. Yeah. You know, like when a, you know, like a very small child, when they can't see you, you can't think they, they, you think that they can't see them. So they've, that's what I've done. That was, yes, very smart, and Anatoly. That was basically the approach. Now, Hitler, obviously, he knows about the Amber Room. He also, because it was originally a German gift to Russia, or Prussia, he thinks it belongs to him and they should have it back. So the wallpaper um, trick doesn't work. They Also... <laughs> I know, I know it wasn't his main job. Hitler was an also an artist. Yes. He um, was very interested in... You know, he'd walk in like, this is very wrong. This is very wrong. Getting his little fringe out of his eyes. Yeah, I don't know if he was physically there. I don't know if he went on many manoeuvres in the Second World War. Um, well, he went to the Albert Hall, didn't he, once? Because he left his ball there. Oh, good one. <laughs> Hello, year five. Um... So they found it within 36 hours of of getting there and they packed all the panels off the walls, packed the whole room into crates, um, shipped them to Königsberg. um, The BBC journalist? Yes, gave them to Laura and they re-erected it in Königsberg Castle, um, which is maybe back in Russian territory now. I'm not sure. And basically put it on display for the German people, which is interesting um, in terms of opening art back up to the public, only the public that you've deemed to be racially pure and brilliant, but mm, interesting. Um, Sorry, Laura. At this point of the story, have you been like, so that's one for the Nazis? (laughs) Well, no. Well, kind of it is, isn't it? No. No, Laura. <laughs> Do you not think that that's interesting? That like they were just the worst, worst people. But if you had to say, is opening art up to the public a good or a bad thing? What are you going to say? I think art's shit, though, don't I? No, you don't. You've got some art behind your head. Yeah, but it's a picture of it's good art. That. Yeah. Oh look, my blue, my blue. Tack. No, no. <laughs> Put the blue tack back down. Anyway, so they they put it up there. They opened it up for public viewing, and then um. The tide of the war turned, the Allies are winning suddenly, and Hitler is like, "Uh uh-oh, get it out of there, we're taking it away. Um, Konigsberg got heavily RAF bombed, all of it just basically got absolutely ruined. But that was the last that the Amber Room was ever seen. Right. So nobody knows to this day whether it got evacuated and it's out there somewhere, like broken up, or is it just hiding in somebody's, you know, did somebody get it out of the war and it's now in something? Or did it get smashed to pieces? Um, when they got in there and liberated it from the Germans, it was nowhere to be seen and n- nobody knows where it is. Interesting. So, Have they checked halfway between the red room and the green room? Um, For like traffic light rules. Yeah, I see what you're doing there. Yeah. Well, there's theories about where it is. So Not playing with that? <laughs> Professor Alexander Brusov, who was the man tasked with 
collecting up stolen artifacts and returning them to the Soviets. Um, he visited and theorized that they had been destroyed by bombings and, and fires, um, which is exactly what I'd say if I'd turned up and found it and decided to keep it. So Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My if hope I was is this random something. professor has just kept it. Listen, officer, I did go to get the money from the bank vault, but when I got in there, and you won't believe this, it was gone. Exactly. That's what we'd do, and then that's secretly what our flats would be like in Brighton. Um, so he claimed that he'd found the remains of a couple of mosaics that had been in the in the floor of the amber room. But if you remember our old wallpaper buddy, Kushimov, um, yeah, he uh, would couldn't accept this conclusion. He was like, it can't be gone, it can't be gone. Um, and he had the KGB denounce Brusov and started an investigation to try and find it. I don't know whether this wow. is guilt driving this or he genuinely sure. believed it. Um, but uh, yeah, so he tried to find it. And, th- and there, there were several theories after that. So there, w- there have been some eyewitnesses that claim that they did see the Amber Room being packed up and put on a ship uh, and being taken off. Um, some people say it was on the Wilhelm Gustloff which was a transport ship that got sunk in January 1945. But they've dived the wreckage of that and they've never found anything that looks like it could have been the Amber Room. Um, And they've um, fully investigated all of the... um, the city or the remains of Konigsberg um, and never found anything there. Um, There's another claim that somebody put the ruins in an old salt mine on the Czech border. Uh, Somebody else says it got sunk in a lagoon in Lithuania. And someone else said it was shipped off to the US. You could see some absolute tycoon somewhere just having it in their basement. Yeah, I always find that mad. Like, let's say that is the truth. When you think of like... um... When famous bits of art get stolen, you, you mean someone's bought that, like a private collector, mm. just a rich guy. But you, you can't invite your friends around. Hey, want to come and see the Mona Lisa? Yeah. You've got like, like, just having it is enough for these people, which I find insane. Um. Yeah, there's there's one conspiracy theory that Stalin had had a fake amber room constructed, so the one that the Nazis took to Konigsberg was never the real one. Right. Um, but then there's no idea where the fake one or the real one is. So really, that's just creating a second lost thing. Yeah, um, sure. They found it's lost, and the original <laughs> itself is lost. Yeah. What a what a coincidence. They um they found a cabinet and a bit of Florentine mosaic, um, but that had just been stolen by a German soldier while it was being removed. Um, and that got found in 1997. Uh, But I think the leading theory, the pretty conclusive evidence is that it was just fully destroyed in the RAF bombings of Konigsberg. The most likely thing is that it was lost. Yeah, so it's a famous lost thing. Loved it. Loved it, mate. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. And then we've got one more and then we will be saying goodbye to our main flavour listeners and sneaking off alone with our patrons. But your final famous lost thing. Will, have you ever heard of the Lost Dutchman Mine? No. Is it near the Amber Room in Russia? I don't know where that is. It's not. No. We're, we're hopping over the sea now to the US of A. Um, yes. Okay. <clears throat> now this is a mine. So... We are going to the Superstition Mountains. 
Fun. Um, so uh, these are some mountains. They are um, full of cliffs and ancient dwellings. They have been inhabited by people since time immemorable. Um, sure. Uh, so um, a few tribes, the Salado or Hohokam Indians, um, we're in Arizona, by the way, and then later what we would term Apaches. But I believe okay, cool. Apache is a bit of a coverall name for a few different tribes i think i believe so like sue yes i think so so um yeah so the superstition mountains were quite a stronghold for hold out um native people against white intruders now during the 1840s um a mexican family the peraltas um i don't know if you've heard of them there was a sitcom don't about... do it no okay oh. <laughs> <laughs> They were supposed to have discovered a very rich seam of gold in the Superstition Mountains. And they opened a mine there um, and uh, had this mine up and running. And then in 1848, they uh, went back to get a load of gold and bring it back to Mexico. And as the legend goes, they were ambushed by native people and they were all killed except for a couple of members of the Peralta family who managed to make their way back into Mexico. So so this whole family basically get wiped out in an ambush, right? Now, the problem is now, nobody else knows where the mine's location was, William. That must mean that the Peralta family are actually on some quite hard times and they were murdered. I recommend one of their uh, descendants, who's a police detective in Brooklyn, should open the cold case to go and find it. (laughs) That's right, Laura. I told you off for doing it, but I I, I knew I was going to do it myself. Boom, boom. Um... So there have been maps over the years that have turned up and been like, hey, there's gold in them there hills. Um, but they've never, ever been able to find this mine. Uh, then in the 1870s, Jacob Waltz, in in quotation marks, the Dutchman, but he was actually yeah. German, uh, <laughs> was um, teamed up with um, a descendant of the Peralta family and located the mine. And him and his partner, Jacob Weiser, worked in the mine and got more gold out of it and then allegedly hid a few stashes of gold in the Superstition Mountains, um, somewhere around Weaver's Needle. Okay. Um, But then they were also killed by Apaches. Goodness me, isn't it useful to have a permanent bad guy living in the area? (laughs) Thank For you. Sure. Myths and legends. And then he dies uh, and um, uh, described on his deathbed, waited until his deathbed to describe the mine's location and these stashes of gold to a neighbor called Julia who was caring for him in his death. But he obviously didn't describe it very well because in dozens of, of searchers and seekers and conspiracy theorists and adventurers have looked for the lost Dutchman's mine over the years and have never found the treasure or the opening to the mine. Oh my. Well, that sounds, frankly, amazing. I'd love to have a, a look there because, like, it's not long enough ago for these things. You know, like, so 
Give me the year again, sorry. Um, I think it was 1870s was when the next so, set of people, yeah. 1870s was to, when it was rediscovered. Like, that is around the time that, like, the Mormon church was going. Like, starting off, wasn't it? And that had the big book of gold that went missing, but only one person ever saw it, like Joseph Smith. Yeah. Obviously, it never existed. And that's your woman, because it did. Hey, it's your Jennifer might have said to do. But for all these people to know it, I think it must have been, like, avalanched or, like... Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's real. Do you? Yeah. We, right, okay. When we do finally get to uh, uh, 1,500 patrons, we'll go to the Superstition Mountains. Let's do it. Tell yeah. your friends. I know. Why not? What do we need? 300,000 to recreate the battle on the lake in the Lake District. Yep. And then 1,500 will go to the Superstition Mountains. So there you go. If you would like us to visit the Superstition Mountains and you would like to hear about JFK's brain, then go to patreon.com forward slash national treasures and become our patron and hear our weekly episodes. Well, we say weekly. What actually happens is that every now and again, you get a dump of all the ones we owe you. No, to be fair, we've been very good at it being weekly, but you and I are in a very busy time at the minute. And we are genuinely trying our best. Uh, so without a joke, we are genuinely grateful for you to uh, for sticking. You should when see it our messages between us. We're all like, okay, so we'll record these two. We'll get that one out, and then we're caught up. And then us being caught up lasts for about four days, and then we go, oh shit, we're behind again. Um, but listen, you get everything I... you've paid for. It just it comes in tides rather than even waves. I sent Laura a text today saying. <laughs> Let me just make sure I've got this right. This is what we're doing, isn't it? And I I couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> but hey, listen, we, we love you and you'll get it. But you'll get it when you get it. All right? Pish. Yeah. Okay. But what's nice about our patrons is they send us messages like, if we wanted a slick, even <laughs> production, we wouldn't be patrons of yours. No offense. It's not really what we come here for. So, hey, they get us. We get us. It's all love. Um, Yes, so uh, now, non-patrons, you're off. We'll see you next week. Yes, um, where we will be doing Christmas. So we are switching up the format for December because we want our Christmas visit episode to be at the end of the month so that it's right by Christmas. We are doing our deep dives first. So you've got two weeks of Christmassy deep dives and then the visit will be close to Christmas Day. Uh, and if you do want the extra, like Laura says, head to patreon.com forward slash national treasures. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Right, they're gone. Ha ha. Right, Will, did you know that JFK's brain is missing? Yeah, it got blown out the back of his head, didn't it? Yeah, right. Okay, so I'm taking this information from allthatsinteresting.com. I've decided to start crediting where we get the info from, Will. I'm finding it makes me feel very professional. Okay, I I won't be doing that. Well, no, we'll just assume it's Wikipedia. A lot um, of it is. Yeah, mine is too on years and years. But on this, I was like, oh, I'm going to do proper research. A lot of my crisp one wasn't, to be fair. No? No. Well, we didn't oh, know I that because you weren't f- crediting it like a journalist. I'm like basically the New York Times. Yeah, and I'm like fucking Hunter S. Thompson. You are like Hunter S. Thompson. If Hunter S. Thompson <laughs> really just wanted to be at home drinking wine all the time. That's exactly what Hunter S. Thompson wanted. No, he was out doing drugs. I'm in doing drugs. I don't think you're really doing drugs anymore, are you? Not as often as I'd like. No.
Carry on. <laughs> anyway, so I didn't, I didn't really realise this. Obviously, there's a million conspiracy theories about JFK. We all know that. Was he shot from the grassy knoll? Was he not? Was he a big old knobhead? Was he not? Nobody knows. Now, so... Stop. Can I tell you a joke I heard at the weekend? Hammer JFK? time! You sure can. I'm going to eat this okay. banana. A conspiracy theorist Fuck, dies. The banana. A conspiracy theorist dies and goes to heaven. And God says, welcome. What is your question, my child? And the conspiracy theorist says, what? And he goes, oh, well, you know, when I invented humans, I gave them an inquisitive mind. And there's really a burning question that every human has when they get to heaven. I give them all one question. Doesn't matter what it is, but I promise I will answer fully and truthfully. And the conspiracy theorist says, hmm, let me think. He goes, right, I've got it. God, who shot JFK? God says, a great question, my child. JFK was shot by Lee Harvey Oswald. He was a lone gunman. He shot him from the book suppository. He wasn't a very good shot, but he just got lucky on the day. That is the truth of the matter. And the conspiracy theorist says, oh my God, this thing goes higher than I thought. Good joke? Um, I saw it coming, but oh. if only JFK could say the same thing. Wow. You're listening to Podcast 1963. <laughs> we got the topical content for you. What about those Wright brothers? Get out of the sky, you birds. <laughs> now that joke I really liked, Will. What are you playing with? Is that sellotape? Yes. <laughs> Why have you always got a sticky thing in your hands? Right. Oh. Oh, um, JFK's brain. So he were his body is interred at Arlington National Cemetery, but his yes. brain has been missing since 1966. Holy shit! The so, FBI have got it. November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. He gets shot that's, driving. That's today. Through... Oh, it is the twenty second. Yeah. Uh, uh, he gets shot driving through Dallas in Texas. Now, that night he goes to the Bethesda Na Naval Hospital. Yep. And they do an autopsy and they are like, he's been shot twice from above and from behind. And there is um, a witness, FBI agent Francis X. O'Neill Jr., not to be mistaken with Francis X. O'Neill Sr., uh, who was at the autopsy, and he said there wasn't much of the brain left. Like, if you've been shot sure. twice in the head, the brain is messy. And he claims more than half of the brain was missing. And okay. he's given evidence that says he watched the doctors take the brain out and put it in a white jar. And the autopsy report states that the brain was preserved and removed for further study. Okay. Uh, and then... This guy, James Swanson, who wrote a big book about the assassination of John F. Kennedy, um, he also says the brain was put in a stainless steel container and moved to the National Archives. Okay. But by 1966, the brain, the tissue slides, and other autopsy materials had vanished, and they've Ooh. never been able to find them since. They've just gone. And there's several theories about what happened here so conspiracy theories like your guy from the joke they are all like oh they've got rid of the brain because if you could see the brain it would prove that he wasn't shot from the back okay 
Um, so they claim that it's been taken away for that reason. Um, this James Swanson guy, he thinks that the brain was taken by Robert Kennedy to conceal the extent of how ill John Kennedy was. Because he had syphilis, didn't he? He, well, I don't know, but he was taking a lot of medication. He was fucking riddled, JFK. Well, their whole family were like real tragedy. Like his sister died in a light aircraft crash with a like coal baron from here, I think. I think one of his sisters got lobotomized. Yeah, I think that's true as well. Yeah, absolute. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he claims that Robert Kennedy took it away for those reasons. Um, and then... Um, they, they, there was a report from 1998 from the Assassinations Records Review Board um, that contended that the brain in all the photos of the assassination is not his brain. Because okay. there's like photo evidence of this brain and it, um, it in no way looks like a brain that's been shot twice, basically. Wow. So the Has chief anyone checked am- that Bureau of Lost and Found things in Paris? <laughs> Yeah, Douglas Horn, the board's chief analyst for military records, he says, I am 90 to 95% certain that the photographs in the archives are not of President Kennedy's brain. If they aren't, that can mean only one thing, that there has been a cover-up of the medical evidence. Dun-dun-dun! Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. It's just brain is gone. Oh, it's, 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 I've really enjoyed this episode. Is that, is that the end of the JFK bit? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you. I, I, I didn't want to do like a, a wrap up when you had more because I, I think it's, I'm really enjoyed this episode. Me too. Good episode. Everything huh? you told me was really interesting that I really enjoyed, but I am left feeling a little empty because, of course, there's no like there's no conclusion to no. any of it. It's like, dog, uh, horse is missing, mines are missing, little girl's missing, brain is missing. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Yeah. But yeah, really good. Really enjoyed it, Laura. In um in that Shergar podcast that I was listening to, there's a really great bit where um they find the body of Shergar and that of a horse. They they basically find a horse skeleton buried in some woods, and they're like, oh shit, this is definitely Shergar, and they call out this um specialist vet autopsy guy. Like rushing. he can't have much, a lot of work on. <laughs> I don't know, like racehorsing. There's so much money in it, isn't there? Just sitting around, ring, ring. Oh my God, the work phone. Am I free? You bet your fucking ass I'm free. Well, he jet sets it down to this wood, right, to discern whether or not this skeleton is Shergar. And he turns up and he looks at it and everybody's kind of on the edge of their seats like, fuck, is this, is this the end of the mystery? And he just takes one look at the skeleton and he goes, that's no, not Shergar. And everybody's like, how the hell can you tell just from glancing at it? And he's like, because that's a cow. <laughs> what a way to end <laughs> uh, loved it well done Laura really great a really fun great. episode thanks for your votes everybody and hey patrons we love you one million hey you don't know this but in one hour's time we'll be on the live stream with you so that's yeah. exciting isn't it but that's in the past for you listening to this now um, see you soon my friends love you bye we love you bye
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.